Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, welcome aboard, everybody. Glad you're with us for another edition of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Bob Getty, Luke Johnson, we're broadcasting today from the Southern Bank Core Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. We're glad you're with us. Opening segment of our show every day, sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Some of our favorite guys and some of the best foods you'll find anywhere in Hattiesburg. They're open seven days a week. They're also a great place to call the next time you want to cater an event, whether it be for your business, your church, your family, maybe a tailgate, maybe a baseball weekend. Dickie's Barbecue is the perfect place. Reach out, talk to them, and uh, whatever your catering event is, uh, Dickie's will have a plan just for you. Scott Watkins from the Biloxi Sun-Herald will be joining us a little later in the show as the uh, conference basketball tournament ended last night. And... uh, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns will be going to the NCAA tournament. They're representing the Sun Belt Conference. Still waiting on word uh, about where USM might play. Could it be a home game? Could it be a road game for the NIT? We'll know uh, more about that later. And we'll talk to Scott about that a little later in the show. Right now, though, Luke, uh, the 22nd-ranked Golden Eagles are on the road right now. I guess they're headed up to North Mississippi. They'll take on Ole Miss tonight at 630. Uh, the the pitcher announced for the game uh, last yesterday afternoon will be uh, right-handed uh, freshman J.T. Uh, Quinn. No, that's that, for Ole no, Miss. That's yeah. right, Colby Allen. I'm sorry, right-handed freshman Colby Allen, J.T. Quinn, pitching for Ole Miss. Uh, Quinn has pitched just or Allen <laughs> Allen has pitched just a little bit, 16.2.0 ERA. I think what this shows is a big difference in last year's baseball team at this point. This year, as you remember, last year we had uh, an All-American pitching some early midweek games, and then we had the uh, young man that is now the Saturday starter uh, was our weeknight pitcher. Uh, I think Billy Odom was the guy the staff had penciled in as the weeknight pitcher, the uh, transfer from up on the East Coast, Division Three uh, National Championship pitcher. But he's just been unable to go. We understand uh, maybe a, so- a sore shoulder, and tonight a big burden put on a freshman with uh, – very little experience. Yeah, Colby Allen so far on the year, he has uh, he's pitched uh, an inning in two-thirds, made three appearances, came in first on um, February the 21st against New Orleans, got three strikeouts uh, in, in one inning pitch, gave, gave up one hit, it was a double. Then he came in against Illinois, 
and then pitched two-thirds of an inning, didn't allow anything. And then the next day uh, came in and kind of, um, you know, that game that they got away from the Golden Eagles, and uh, he gave up three runs. So, you know, you look at the uh, the ERA, and, yeah, it's like 16.5, but that's just because he didn't record an out the last time that he was out there. The previous two against teams that had not seen him before um, were, were much better. I, I get the feel that without Oldham, that this is going to be more like a Johnny Holstaff night, um, an opportunity. Of course, you want to win the game, but at the same time, it is a opportunity for the Golden Eagle pitching staff to get experience against a very, very, very good offensive team. And so that's that. I think part of it is you know one of the things you do. It's a different approach, but in some ways, you know, sometimes like in, in a region atmosphere, like a regional where your, your pitching's done. We saw it, uh, we've, we've seen it, you know, not last year, but, but in some other years, you get to that game four and you're out of starters and you just basically throw a guy out there and you, and you, and you ride him. And so I think that's probably what they'll, they'll try to do early with Colby Allen. I don't think it'll be like a one and done. It could be that way later in the game, but just see what he's got and, and allow a, a guy to, to, to step into a situation. It's going to be a great crowd, great atmosphere. Old Miss ranked fourth in the country and they have a, a veteran lineup. So I think it's a great opportunity for Colby Allen to get some big experience and to put some other guys on the staff in, in a great atmosphere as well for experience later in the season. Yeah, Golden Eagles, of course, coming uh, in off the sweep over Dallas Baptist. Ole Miss had a good weekend, too. They were up in Minneapolis in a tournament. They beat Maryland, Minnesota, and Nebraska. So uh, two teams uh, with a pretty good weekend, actually a good weekend, uh, coming into tonight's game. Okay, so uh, we'll have, a, obviously, the report on that game tomorrow. Now, this is going to shock our listeners. Last night, they had the C Spire Basketball Awards. The Howell Trophy goes to the best male in the state, and the Gillum Trophy goes to the best female. Now, if you're not sitting down, sit down, because I'm going to tell you right now that the awards went to players from Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And I, I know you're shocked, Luke. I know you're shocked, but uh, that's what happened. Yeah, Tolu Smith from uh, from Mississippi State won that, and I mean, I, I think Crowley Crowley had an, an argument, um, but I mean, you know, Smith Smith had had, had a fantastic year. Uh, there there could have been some argument there that that maybe Crowley what uh, was you know it was it was certainly tight. The women on the other side, it, this this baffles me. That's where the argument is. The women's yeah, it, side, and and I and I don't. I, I want our listeners to hear me. I'm not throwing sour grapes. I'm I'm I'm, I'm not doing that, and I'm not casting shade on Carter from Mississippi State or Angel Baker on Ole Miss. Angel Baker, phenomenal season. Lady Rebs will, uh, you know, they'll be probably a single digit um, seed in the NCAA tournament, uh, and and they beat Southern Miss. So don't don't hear me by by what I'm about to say. Throwing shade because the the Lady Rebels beat Southern Miss pretty handily, very handily in, in the early part of the season. But we're talking about not the best team in the state of Mississippi. We're talking about the best player in the state of Mississippi. So Carter from Mississippi State, just so you know, great year, 14.8 points a game. She averaged 7.7 rebounds a game, um, played 763 minutes, and scored 414 points. Great, great year. Great year. 58 blocks. Great year. She didn't win it. Angel Baker, who did win it, averaged 15.1 points a game. Great year. 5.5 rebounds a game. 
Okay? Mm-hmm. But score under 500 points. Dominique Davis, almost to the minute. Dom, Dom played more minutes. She and Baker, the winner, played the same amount. Dom averaged three points more per game. Dominique Davis on the year averaged 18 points a game. Just to compare a few stats, Baker, who won it, had 82 um, assists. Dom had 23 more at 105. Baker had 45 steals. Dom had 17 more at 62. Dom did turn the ball over more and average a little less rebounds. But she's a two-guard, averaging 18 points a game and averaging 4.6 rebounds a game. Southern Miss also won a conference championship. A three-way tie, but no less, they're going to hang a banner. So no shade at Carter, no shade at Baker. Great seasons for those young ladies. But I do not understand why Dominique Davis, who averaged three points more per game than the winner, more assists, more steals, doesn't win the Gillum Trophy. With a herniated disc in her back. That That's... I think that's something that doesn't get reported, and you you don't want to throw it out there that your best player is injured all year. But that's kind of the missing component to this: is that what would she have done? Because there was, you know, there was a game that she didn't play. What what would she have done had she been ninety percent or ninety five percent? Not not with a debilitating injury like that. Well, I, I, this is an old argument, and and I know there are two sides to the argument, but I think the the final results tell the tale. Uh, all of these awards, all of these awards are heavily weighted toward Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Southern Miss is a distant third. For all practical purposes, the other colleges in the state don't exist. Is that, now, is, is that fair to now, say? Now, but let me – I think this is the bigger argument. It's who is the best player on the best team. Because, like, let's go last year. Southern Miss regular season had the best baseball team in – uh, the state, right? Right. And who wins the Ferris Trophy? Tanner Hall, because he's the best player on the best team in the. I think Tanner Hall. What? What? I guess what I'm saying is, you should not have to be the best player on the best team to get the award. It should just simply be the best player. I agree. And 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 so. There's been times where probably that the the best player not on the best team won it, but it just seems that this year Dom Davis there was a significant amount of separation at least scoring wise. Right. And when you look back at when the Lady Eagles got beat back in November to Ole Miss, I mean Ole Miss won ninety two forty six. Dom didn't have a good game. She had a, she had a bad game, and that may have been what the, was the deciding factor. But you look in the body of work that they that they put in, you know, over the course of a season, eighteen points. Right. A game and doesn't get it. All right. Reminded to our listeners, we are in sun fade week. Absolutely nothing we can do about that. We're expecting a sun fade at 24 minutes and 14 seconds uh, after the hour here. Supposed to last almost nine minutes. It'll be the longest one of the week. You can hear what you miss on the radio broadcast on our podcast later. Uh, But sun fade expected. 24 minutes, 14 seconds after the hour. All right, we're going to talk basketball with Scott Watkins when we come back. Stay with us. Super Talk Eagle Hour is on the air and rolling.
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. All right, welcome back to the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us. Bob and Luke today, Southern Bank Core Studio. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Great place for you to buy all your Southern Miss apparel. Really no other reason to go anywhere else. They're located on Hardy Street, right dead across from the campus. They're open seven days a week. You can also shop them online at CampusBookmart.net. I want to remind you, too, you can hear the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast all the time, including the Sunfade section of today's show on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or you can tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. And you will want to check out the podcast because Scott Watkins from the Biloxi Sun-Herald is about to join us here just moments before the sun takes over the operation. But, uh, Scott, it'll all be good on the podcast, and we're glad to have you on the show. So basketball comes to a conclusion last night. And I guess in the end, the team that everybody predicted was going to win it all did win it all as the uh, Raging Cajuns are going to represent the league in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's funny how all that works out. It uh, got there in kind of a weird way. Uh, the league was – it was certainly a fun year, I think. I think it kind of lived up to the expectations and maybe even then some more. And Southern Miss is a, a big reason why, of course, and uh, – Golden Eagles and Marshall and James Madison really changed the vibes of this season. And I, I think coaches are going to be thinking a little differently when they get their ballots uh, next year here in the fall. Yeah, uh, you know, the number one seed goes down. Marshall was really good all year. Ne- neither team make the finals. And I guess it always comes down to who's hot at the right time. And even though they didn't win the tournament, maybe the hottest team in the league at the end of the year was South Alabama. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, the basketball tournament, it works pretty much the same way as baseball. You, there's just a team that you don't want to see there in the last month, and uh, that, that was South Alabama. I kind of ran out of gas a little bit, but uh, Louisiana, I, I, I guess I, it's not really fair to say ran out of gas. Louisiana is a very good, very good team, but uh, that's that's the buzzsaw, and that's not new. <laughs> Richie Riley has done that a few times at South Alabama. They, they just get really hot in February, and uh can't seem to figure it out, but uh, yeah, they're they're a dangerous team at the end of the regular season. That's for sure. Luke, yeah, we were we were discussing yesterday about South Alabama. How you know they had so many close losses, and then it just seems like you know that that switch. But for for me, it was they had a three point guy, and he almost you know tied the game last night. They had a guard that could penetrate, and they had a big and. What what do you think happens if Alvarez plays against them in in the tournament? It changes everything. Uh, I thought the box score it was it was just uh, it, the difference was massive. Uh, the points off of turnovers was was huge. If if Alvarez plays, South Alabama doesn't have a nineteen point advantage in points off of turnovers, and that that is just so massive. And the, the turnovers were a problem. I think eighteen total. Uh, they just they had more transition points in South Alabama, but they didn't create a whole lot of transition opportunities that Alvarez would have, uh, I don't want to guarantee that he would have, but, you know, he, he has done that in the uh, in the lineup since he got in. I think that the team just got so comfortable with Alvarez and the way that he really dynamically changed uh, the, the rhythm on both sides of the ball that when they suddenly did not have them, it just kind of, it was, it was the worst possible moment. 
against the worst possible team you could have played without Alvarez. And it just, I think it made a huge impact not having him. And I think it would have been a very different game if they had had him. We were talking earlier today, and it, it's just it's mixed emotion. You're, you know, you're you're the number one seed. You're so close to the uh, to the NCAA tournament. You're in a one bid league, but again, um, twenty five wins, NIT appearance, regular season, conference championship. Nobody thought that this year, Scott. <laughs> I mean, nobody did. And so it's just kind of a mixed bag. You know, you you want all your cake rather than saying, man, this is these three or four pieces of cake is really good. That is absolutely true. And uh, as a Troy grad who watched the women's team do this repeatedly, it's, uh, it's, it's frustrating. It's hard to watch. It's, it's, um, but at the same time, you got to go, you know what, there's, there's another game to be played. There's another tournament to be played. Um, and it's a big one. I mean, you're going to see teams like North Carolina in this NIT. So it, it's not something to uh, just brush off and, you know, not get into. It's a big deal. And these these games end in, in big places, so it's it's yeah. it's going to be fun. It's going to be important. It's it's good basketball, and, and it's also Southern Miss's literal history yeah. in this NIT tournament. So it, it's still a big deal. Well, you know what what is because we were kind of jockeying on it yesterday. It, it seems as if there's a better chance for Southern Miss to host. Or are really the only path for Southern Miss to host is if Mississippi State gets in the NCAA tournament. You just can't imagine them giving two host sites in. This. But at the same time, they're going to look at attendance, and you got to feel like you know among NIT teams, Southern Miss, you know, had a, a lot better, you know, uh, attendance this year than in the past. I mean, it, what what is, I'm just spitball. I mean, is a twenty five percent chance look good non uh, non existent chance for Southern Miss to host the first round game. I've been wrestling with this most of the morning. I've I've written some things down. Uh, I I think the odds have to kind of dropped each day since the tournament. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of lot of good teams that are going to get left out of this NCAA field. You know, Oklahoma State's going to be a top seed. You know, North Carolina, Michigan, Wisconsin, all those teams. Uh, and then there's there's teams like Charleston. They play tonight. If they lose, they're going to steal a home spot from Southern Miss. Uh, Bradley's ahead of Southern Miss. They're a regular season champion that lost in their tournament. Um, I, I think the odds are pretty low. It's 16 host sites. I think Southern Miss is going to be, you know, a six seed. That's that's my my guess. Um, I think the the thing that fans should be watching for is being in a field in a region that may end up with Southern Miss playing either in Birmingham or in North Texas, which would probably not be great. Hmm. What are the chances of a Mississippi State-Southern Miss matchup should Mississippi State not make the NCAA? I don't know what those chances are, but I would uh, love to see it. I'd love to see it personally. Uh, I, I think a lot of people would, actually. Um, I don't know if Mississippi State would, but uh, <laughs> that, would be, that would be a lot of fun. That would be. I want to take you back to that championship game last night. I'm not a basketball coach, just a, uh, an observer and fan. But it seemed to me that in the second half of that game last night that uh, South Alabama got away from their big seven-footer in the paint who was just so dominant uh, in many games of the tournament and almost became a one-man show with their point guard. They ended up putting up, I think, 33 points. But uh, what was your observation about that? Why did they get away from, from their big guy so uh, so noticeably in the second half? Well, I'm not sure because I actually only watched the second half. Um, I thought the point guard did really well. But, yeah, they 
what I what I noticed in the game, of course, is you know that the surface stuff. Uh, Louisiana, what is his name? Jared Brown, I think something Brown. Right. Really right. good. Really good. Big. Uh, that that may have been a factor. Uh, maybe the seven footer was reaching foul trouble. Uh, when you got to go up against a very 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 good post player, uh, you got to get creative. So. Yeah. They sure they sure got dependent on that guard. He's a great player, and I I couldn't help but wonder. Had Alvarez been able to play Saturday, would he have not tamped him down a good bit? I think that's part of it. I think that's part of what we were talking about earlier. And what changes it? Because if Alvarez is guarding him, I don't think Owen White has a, has the amount of separation that he did, that he had the entire second half against Southern Miss. seemed like he was open every time right. uh, that point guard hit the, hit the paint. I think with Alvarez, Owen White doesn't hit five threes in the second half. You know? Yeah, and White was lethal in the second half. He, he was a backbreaker uh, in the second half. Okay, uh, about a minute left, Scott. Look ahead. Uh, Golden Eagles going to lose a couple of players, but you know if you look at it, they, there's a lot of talent coming back on the roster, and you have to believe that this year will will help the coaching staff in recruiting and, and maybe portal hunting. I think it will, and, I, and there are there are more guys out there that know who Juan Cardona is, and Juan Cardona knows a lot of guys. So I would be watching that transfer portal. I think that there's going to be one or two additions that are going to come pretty much as a direct result of Juan Cardona. So I uh, don't think this will be a flash in the pan. Right. So, Luke, will he will Cardona sweat through the entire process of, uh, of recruiting and uh, searching the portal? Not because he's nervous, but because he's <laughs> excited. Um, yeah. <laughs> Scott, last question. Uh, Sunbelt ends with four teams over 20. Or actually, five teams twenty and up. Troy won twenty. Old Dominion won nineteen, uh, and then South Alabama won nineteen. Two bid NIT league, and how many years does this continue to be a one bid dance league? <sighs> Possible that it is a, a two bid NIT league, but you know, you know how the NIT operates. You know that they love playing in their power conference venues. So uh, we'll we'll see how the bottom shakes up in that in the seeding process. Um, it's only thirty two teams, but uh, would love to see it. I do think that you're going to see six or seven Sun Belt teams play in a postseason tournament of some kind. Uh, that's that's a fairly normal amount for the Sun Belt. Um, I I think the league is on the right track as far as getting or creating a, a two bid league. What it has to do is it has to have one team that is just transcending the levels you know getting getting inside the top 40 in net like you look over to conference usa and you see florida atlantic sitting in the 20s right now and that leads to north texas being a top 50 team and uab being a top 50 team somebody's got to break through um it can happen in a single year you look at charleston they are a top 50 top 60 basketball team out of nowhere this year and that kind of brings everybody up with them. And then you, you look at the bottom of the league, and there are really good basketball teams that just had bad years, like Georgia State. So there's a lot of potential in the Sun Belt right now. Um, it's definitely a league to watch. It was a little bit better as far as average RPI rating. As far as last year, it jumped from 17th to 14th yeah. in the country. So uh, it, a lot of potential. I'd watch for it. All right. Thank you a lot, Scott. Scott Watkins, Biloxi Sun Herald. Eagle Hour will be right back. Cliff Russell next. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, welcome back to the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Bob and Luke broadcasting today from the Southern Bank Core Studio. We're out of the sun fade, so if you missed the uh, 
Really good basketball talk with Scott Watkins uh, from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. You can go to any of the podcast platforms, or a little later you can go to supertalk.fm and uh, and pick up uh, what you were unable to hear because of the sun fade. I want to thank Jana King, the king of clean, for their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. For over 35 years, Jana King has been cleaning places of work, education, medicine, eatery, stadium, and worship. You could go to JanaKingCleans.com and find out how Jana King can help your business. I want to thank uh, also thank Slade and the guys at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Eagle Hour will be down there later this month. I hadn't told Luke that yet, but uh, Luke will be getting free catfish uh, Amen. upcoming Friday here as we get ready to kick off the conference uh, baseball season a little later in the month. Glad to have Cliff Russell on the show. Cliff was a uh, standout pitcher for the Golden Eagles from 02 to 06, threw against the Ole Miss Rebels. So uh, who better to talk to about tonight's game? Uh, Cliff, you and I talking uh, off air. Uh, when you When you have kind of an... Ex- an experienced guy like Billy Odom that you had hoped would be your midweek starter and an injury prevents that from happening. And, and then you call on a freshman like Colby Allen. You made a great comment. You said he's going to have to get his heartbeat under control real quickly. Tough spot to put a kid in like that, isn't it? Well, it is. You're right, Bob. And, and But it's one I think that Coach Barry and, and Coach Oz would not put Colby Allen in if they did not think he was capable of, of – of handling it. And, and it's look, it's, you got to grow up quick and, you know, it's a, it's a tough, tough environment, a tough place to play. They'll, they'll pack, you know, probably 10,000 people in there tonight. And, uh, you, you look, there's no doubt those first couple pitches and first couple hitters are, there's going to be some nerves going, but, you know, typically once you get past those first few, you know, you, you can kind of slow the game down a little bit and, uh, and just kind of get back in the groove. And at the end of the day, it's baseball. You know, it's it's no different than his first few outings. That are you need you got you got to make it where it's no different. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting for. Uh, but yeah, I think from what I know of Kobe Allen and what I've heard Coach Oz talk about Kobe Allen, uh, he's gonna be a guy who I think looks forward to that challenge. And, and it seems like a big a big time competitor for this team. Yeah, a lot of freshmen on this pitching staff, but the pitching staff made great strides uh, this past weekend over the uh, the previous weekend, and I think uh, good performances from all three starters and some pretty solid relief is what we saw uh, throughout the weekend against a really good Dallas Baptist team. Yeah, I think what the difference was, you, you nailed it. This, the, the starters got it going early, and uh, were able to keep that pitch count down, push themselves late in the game, and and that, you know, it's kind of like hitting. That's contagious. When you get a guy starter out there that, that gives you six, seven solid innings, you know, that next guy up, uh, he thrives off that. He works off that. Uh, but for me, too, Bob, the, the thing was they, they, they pump strikes, right? And it, right. It's, uh, they didn't have, the, I think it was 25, 26, somewhere free passes the weekend of Illinois. And then, obviously, the state game was what it was. But, uh, you know, they, they worked ahead in the count. They threw strikes. They kept the freebies down and uh you know and they got punch outs when they needed punch outs i thought you know i thought tanner hall looked like himself again friday night and then matt adams did uh what he did saturday i saw where he was just named sunbelt pitcher of the week and then very deserving for for him uh and then i thought nico mazza threw really well kind of a, a working man start if you will on sunday for him he put himself in some tough situations but he worked out of them uh then yeah the bullpen what else could you do i don't think they gave up an earned run all weekend or even a run Well, Luke Johnson got to throw strikes tonight. Got to make Ole Miss earn every run that they they may or may not get. 
Yeah, Cliff. I mean, it's you know, this is a you're, you're talking about the defending national champs. They got you know, guys like Jacob Gonzalez out there, but I mean, you you have to you cannot give free free bases to a team that that can hit like this. I mean, and and that's kind of been the calling card with with what the way that Oz approaches. I mean, yeah, you get guys to chase, but it, it's all about getting the the hitters behind really quick in the count, and and that's just kind of the you know, all of us were kind of. Shocked over, you know, some of the runs, but you look at the runs that they gave up, the 48 runs, you tag those along with, uh, walks and hit, and hit batsmen. I, I know that Illinois, man, that, that, that one day, uh, maybe day three, they really hit the ball well. But I mean, that, that run total would have probably cut down significantly if it were not for the free passes and the hit batsmen. Yeah, there's no doubt. And then look, that, that Illinois lineup, that their their approach specifically, I thought Friday night against Tanner Hall was, uh, from what I can remember, probably the best approach. And look, Tanner, Tanner left some pitches up that night, which you don't typically see him do. Uh, but just outside of that, I mean, their their approach was outstanding, and they, I mean, they had some that lineup from from top to bottom was was really good. And uh, and then coming into this weekend, Dallas Babbage, I mean, they their numbers were off the charts. I mean, competition probably wasn't on the level that that obviously. Uh, that they saw this weekend in our arms, but uh, still, I mean, they had, they had Cody Colden come into the weekend hitting over, you know, almost 550. And I don't care what the competition is, that's uh, that's some stout numbers for for anybody. But yeah, you know, you're exactly right, Luke. You gotta you gotta throw strikes, and, and Coach Eyes is just trying to figure out uh, at this point in the season what guys are going to do that, who can handle those situations. I mean, look, he's still trying to piece it together. You know, yeah. I, I think you saw that this weekend and. Uh, he's not afraid to go to somebody new and, and give somebody an opportunity. And I got a feeling you'll probably see a lot of the same of that tonight. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, let let Allen see what he does. And then, you know, next man up, it's probably expected to be more a little of a whole staff approach tonight. Offensively, Scott Berry's still trying to shake up the order, you know, put alleviate some pressure off Sargent. He responded well, moving Pato down. I like Tate Parker in the three hole. What say you? Uh, I, I agree with you. Tate, Tate Parker can can just flat out rake, man. He he is. Uh, that's all he's done since he's been given that opportunity. And and uh, you know, and, and look, whether he sticks there or not, I don't I don't know. But it seemed like it worked yesterday. And uh, I heard Coach Barry's interview with you guys yesterday, actually. And uh, I heard him talking about that three hole and just the kind of the pressure it brings with him. And and it's exactly right. Like it, it, to me, if you can kind of. Give Peto an opportunity for for me. It's seeing the fastballs, getting those hitters count. Yeah, uh, find a fastball, and that's what he thrives off of. And and you know, get him a couple fastballs to where he can get comfortable. But uh, you know, Peto does. He brings so much more than than. I mean, we saw this weekend. He throws the guy out of double play. I I thought that was just a huge, huge momentum swing in that game yesterday. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, Sunday uh, when he when he threw the guy to home plate. So, uh, so, you know, this game tonight, uh, a lot, a lot of memories. Uh, they've been playing, Eagles and Rebels been playing since 1913. Ole Miss, uh, all time, 87 and 57. The uh, Eagles are only, I've only won 14 games in Oxford, but this game didn't take place in Oxford, but you and I were, were laughing. It was, uh, it, it was your junior year in baseball. I was going to my senior year in football, but one of the great memories of, of Southern Miss, Ole Miss at the Pete, 2005. One of our good buddies walks it off. Kind of, kind of relive that night for us and, and what Bo Griffin did. Yeah. So Jason Baker and I were talking about that on the call uh, during Saturday's marathon game against Illinois. We just kind of started talking about our, your your favorite memories of a baseball game, and and uh, of course that that was was the one I brought up. And 
you got, I think, I, Luke, I don't even I think we were down two or three going into the night. They bring in Brian Petway, who was a, uh, a fantastic two-way player for them at the time, uh, was kind of their closer. And I, I think at the time also it was the record crowd at the peak. Um, and I, I don't even really fully remember. Here, let me set it up for you. Let me, let me set it up for you. So, Bob, Please listen do. to these yeah. names. So 5,377 people. Southern Miss was down 9-6 to six in the bottom of the ninth. Mark Maddox okay. led off with a double. Trey Sutton walked. Brad Wilcutt flew out to center. Jason Lowry singled. Maddox scored. Sutton went to second. And then what happened, Cliff? Uh, Bo, Bo Griffin gets, if I remember correctly, a fastball and pulls it down the left field wall. And it was just, Absolute craziness after that. I don't. I don't even remember anything after that point. To be a hundred percent honest, it was just. Uh, it was the most amazing moment on a baseball field. Um, that that you could. I mean, it was just. It was just incredible. And of course, you know, let's let's be honest. Like it was just sweeter because who it was against. And, yeah. Um. There, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. You know, that that game is just. Uh, not that it means anymore because obviously it doesn't. But it just. It's more fun. You got you got big crowds. You got a lot of energy, and uh, it was just an awesome moment. And there you, there you go, Bob. You heard there what you Cliff said. Uh, what did he say just then about old, playing Ole Miss? What did he say? <laughs> it, we, we've been having this conversation all week, Cliff, about how we, we love playing State and Ole Miss, but Southern Miss baseball is at the point now where yeah. this isn't one you circle on your schedule because you're no, playing like exactly. some crazy no. good opponent. No, and I and no, I it, look it, it it doesn't mean more on the schedule. It's just for 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 specifically a home game against them because the crowds are there uh, and, and the energy it brings. It's, it's just like almost, it's a postseason atmosphere uh, when when those two teams are on the field, specifically in Hattiesburg. Yeah. I'm going to throw out two quick uh, reminders, guys, of equally great moments. The relay play against Rice to win the conference championship and that last blessed strike against LSU last year uh, in the region. <laughs> yeah. Yeah the, yeah, the difference for me is I wasn't in the dugout for either one of those. So, right, they were all uh, pretty you know, sweet, it, weren't it, they? Uh, Luke, you'll you'll appreciate this. Uh, so I got a call that night after that Ole Miss game. It said, "Hey, you've been selected. Random drug test. See you at the training room at five thirty the next morning." <laughs> it's always it's always random for me and you. You know, random, just right. random. I wasn't even playing. I was registered. Right. But random drug test five thirty in the morning. See you in the training room. Cliff Russell, thank you for coming on the Eagle Hour, man. We appreciate it. Absolutely appreciate you guys. All right, Cliff Russell, everybody. Luke and I'll be back. Wrap up this edition of the Super Talk Eagle Hour right after this. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment on this Tuesday. Appreciate Cliff Russell coming on uh, with us. Reliving some great memories and, of course, uh, looking forward to Ole Miss and Southern Miss tonight in Oxford. Golden Eagles taking on the Rebels. Top 25 matchup. Don't get to have many of those, you know, in, in midweeks like this. Golden Eagles 22nd, Ole Miss 4th. And that game uh, tonight at Swayze Field in Oxford, always fun. And uh, we will, unlike uh, Mississippi State, only play them once, we'll get to play Ole Miss 
um, in the in upcoming weeks. That game will take place in uh, in Pearl at Trustmark Park. Luke and Bob live from the Southern Bancorp Studios in Hattiesburg. And, Laurel, if you missed uh, the interview with Cliff Russell or Scott Watkins because the sun fades, or if you're just uh, joining the show late today, we uh, do have the show in podcast form, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Audible, or on demand at supertalk.fm. Also want to give a special shout-out. Thank you to our uh, fourth segment sponsor, DBAT and D1, DBAT dbathattiesburg.com they're on hardy street and great facilities unbelievable uh batting cages indoor running facilities weight facilities pro shop instruction it's all there dbat and d1 also special thanks to our good friends at mobay beignet company on hardy street in hattiesburg just across the street from the university of southern mississippi fantastic beignets of course those dipping sauces do, do we know sanders not here so he can't tell us uh, I think he's got his frequent beignet card, Bob. Do you know what the uh, the syrup of the month is? <laughs> I'm afraid I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, you can uh, go in there and stop and see our good friends at Mobay Beignet. Matt Adams is the Sunbelt Conference Pitcher of the Week uh, after an absolutely fantastic performance against Dallas Baptist. Struck out 11 over seven and a third innings. And the biggest thing for me, Bob, and uh, it is. You know, Matty Ice has been a guy for the most time. He he gets taken out in the fifth or the sixth innings. I mean, this was this was a longevity uh, for him, and that's what we need out of him going forward. So, so Matt Adams, Sunbelt Conference Pitcher of the Week, softball in Jackson. They got a doubleheader against Jackson State. Lady Eagles fourteen and three overall. Lady Tigers nine and ten overall. They will play at three and five o'clock. Uh, today up in Jackson. Women's tennis records a 6-1 to one victory over New Orleans from the Southland. They won uh, this past Sunday 6-1. to one. Lady Eagle tennis team 5-2 and two on the year and will begin conference play this, this weekend at the Southern Miss Tennis Complex against Georgia State. Finally, golf. Lady Eagles at the Trinity Forest Invitational in Dallas, Texas. Just uh, Lady Eagles struggling. Um, haven't really made up much ground after their their 14th uh, place. They're they're still in 14th. A couple shots uh, behind Fresno State. Other teams competing in there. DBU, Tulsa, Houston, and SMU leading uh, leading the tournament. Men sixth um, right now at the Tiger Invitational by Jason Duffner over in Opelika, Alabama. Golden Eagles plus two for the tournament. Yeah, but they're all playing golf this afternoon, Luke. They're the smartest <laughs> athletes at the university. They really are, absolutely. <laughs> hey, it was a football practice this morning. Got Ethan Crawford and Zach Wilkie uh, on the show tomorrow. Wilkie, of course, everybody knows, played some last year. And Ethan Crawford's an interesting kid, Luke, uh, out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Terrible luck. He he busted. He he hurt his knee the last game of his high school career his team was really favored to win the state championship but he's rehabbing nicely he seems really excited about being here you had told me yesterday he had a lot of offers coming out of high school a lot of upside a lot of potential from ethan crawford yeah he's a dual threat guy and he kind of you know he didn't fly under the radar because he had tons of offers um but but he's you look at him he's he's technically 5'11 which means he probably plays more 
you know, like a, like a tall six feet or, or a short six one. Usually that, that's how that works. But he's a dual threat guy from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And a lot of people are really excited about this guy. So look forward to hear him, him tomorrow. And also Zach Wilkie, um, who, what? you know, we, we didn't, we didn't talk to last year, but Wilkie now, uh, since he's been on campus a complete year now, be interesting to see, you know, how he approaches the quarterback position and the guy that, you know, started against Miami last year. Yeah, so you got four guys in camp at the really, I, th- I think it's fair to say those four guys, the two that we interviewed, uh, and then the transfer from, uh, Oak, uh, from, uh, Clemson and the transfer from Houston. You wonder, of course, no one has said, but with Crawford being a true freshman coming off that knee injury, you would think maybe he's a candidate for a red shirt, give him another year to, to rehab and adjust. But it got to be interesting competition. Do you think we'll know coming out of spring football? I'm going to say no. I think Kelly made this point earlier in the week. I mean, if you don't name a starter and, and the guys don't know who the starter is, you know, with, with transfer portal, it's just kind of like if you don't name guys, then guys stick around longer. Because I, I still think, not just at Southern Miss, but, you know, in different places, you're going to see people leave after spring. Because they're not going to, you know, play somewhere. It's, no. it, it's, it, it's you know, just, it's kind of baffling. But I, I would hope um, that there would be some separation. But at the same time, um, it's always good preseason to have a quarterback battle. But you just need at least some type of general idea who yeah. who's going to stand out. Good stuff from Wilkie. I think you're going to love Ethan Crawford. Real personable kid. Big giant smile on his face. A young man clearly happy to be here. All right, back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Also, Patrick McGee with the big news out of New Orleans. Can't wait to hear that discussion between Luke and Patrick. All of that tomorrow at 1. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.